Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. We're going to read tonight from the book of Genesis, chapter 2. We begin our study we'd like to share with you tonight. Genesis chapter 2, and we are so blessed and honored to have your presence. Thank the Lord for MPC and God's mercies and blessings upon us. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, you could probably quote some of it at least. The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Shall we pray together? Lord, our God, thank you. I can stand at this pulpit one more time. Open up your word one more time. We pray your anointing. Let your presence be so, so rich and real here this night. And we thank you for your presence and blessings in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Genesis 2, verse 7. The Lord God formed, formed man of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. A living soul. I'd like to talk to us tonight a little while about these last couple of words. A living soul. Living soul. You feel alive tonight? What about the rest of you? Amen. Amen. The, the event that's taking place here that's described for us by uh, Moses occurred, of course, on the sixth day of creation. Five days were passed, and now the sixth day, creation begins again by the Lord. I say begins again or continues, however it should be worded. He caused the earth to bring for he had brought creatures out of the waters in uh, day five but now in day six he's causing creatures calling forth creatures out of the ground out of the dirt and to include among those creatures is man and he causes man to be uh, formed as well uh, and this last act of God in his creating force and power was the greatest creation of all. And that was you and me. And you know that was great, don't you? And the emphasis here we'd like to point out is that the fact that we are a living, a, an eternal being. We were a living soul. All humanity, 
are eternal beings. The Bible tells us in our study here about God's creation and his acts, certain things, of course, the animals, they're not eternal creation, but you and I are. We are eternally made. From Genesis 1 and 1 to Revelation 22 and 21, the story of eternal beings that have a lifetime to prepare for that great tomorrow, however that long that lifetime is. Some of us have granted a longer lifetime and others die at a younger age. But regardless of what the age is, God extends to us that lifetime to make preparation. You see, we're eternal. We might die when we're 16 or 15, or we might die uh, at a very young, young age, three or four. And then some of us, I was looking through some uh, memories. You know, they show these memories of this day so many times, so many years ago or whatever. But it ha happened yesterday. My memories where I had taken some pictures or whatever was when we celebrated Brother Shepherd's 100th birthday. And these, all these pictures about him and us and all that were gathered there uh, with his apron on or whatever you call it, bib, whatever you call it, uh, Shepherd's uh, Supermarket. What was it called? Shepherd's Store or whatever it was called. Anyway, so that brought back some precious memories. But regardless of how long we live, it's that period of time that God has given to us the opportunity to be exposed to his word and either obey it or disobey it or reject it. But it was Solomon Solomon, in his writings in the Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 7, he said concerning us, then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. So here's the separation. But the spirit is eternal. The flesh is temporary. When we die, we're going to go back to the dust uh, of the earth some way, somehow. But our spirit exists eternally, eternally. For 6,000 years, billions upon billions of souls have really, whether it's good or bad, been preparing themselves for that eternal uh, future that they are going to uh, have one of these days. Now, others choose to listen to the flesh and live lives without God, that's their prerogative. You don't have to come to church. You don't have to live for God. But there is uh, an answer to that, a question to that, a problem to that kind of lifestyle. There's something, and here's what I'd like to, if you'll bear with me, uh, it's this and that and that and this, but bear with me for uh, a little while here. There's something interesting, a lot interesting, about Genesis 2 and verse 7. Let me read it again. You read it again and read it. If you Look at it. And the Lord God, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils 
the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So much in there that uh, I'm trying, going to try to break it down a little bit uh, tonight, if you'll again bear with me. But what I've looked at, the, I've read that verse, you've read that verse, I've read that verse hundreds of times probably. But uh, reading it one more time, the phrase, living soul, living soul, not just alive, but a living soul, and not just a soul, but a living soul. So what captured my attention was the word living and the word soul. And my mind, now here I am, my mind was telling me and has told me for years that only man has a soul. Only man has a soul. Those animals you read about in chapter 1 that God created, they don't have souls. The animals, they don't live forever. We do. So we're eternal beings and they're not. So we've got souls and they don't have souls. Well, that's what my mind was telling me. I'm not going to ask you if you even thought that. But I'm from Missouri and I look at things. But I, I've had this in my mind all this, all this time. We're living souls. We have a soul. A, a, a crow doesn't have a soul. A pig doesn't have a soul. All they do is go around and grunt and look for acorns or something and eventually wind up on your breakfast plate as bacon or ham. But anyway, I get, I've done a little more digging. It's good to dig. It's good to, con, uh, to look at a passage and confirm it with another passage. Now, in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 21, listen, this is back there, uh, the fifth day. And it says in verse 21, God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good. Now, here's what caught my attention. Two words in this verse, 21. Living creature. Two words in 2 and 7. Living soul. So, my thought, of course, was what attracted my attention was of course, the word in verse 21 of chapter 1 and verse 7 of chapter 2, the word living obviously would no doubt be, usually would be from the same Hebrew word. And lo and behold, it is. It's a Hebrew word. I, I pronounce it ka-e, ka-e. But anyway, and now notice something else in 1 and 21, that's, it's a living creature. In verse 7 to chapter 2, it's a living soul. So, you know, a creature and a soul is not the same thing. That's what I thought. So I got to looking, and lo and behold, the word creature and the word soul is from the same word. Same Hebrew word. Same Hebrew word, and, and that word is uh, nefesh, nefesh. That's the way it's pronounced, N-E-H hyphen F-E-S-H. 
so the next time I want to feel proud about myself, that I'm, I have a soul and that dog out there just barks. He doesn't have a soul. Back up walls. Read again. Genesis 1, and Genesis 2 and verse 7. We're all living creatures, really. Now, let me go on a little bit after you've chewed on that a little bit. Don't spit it out yet. Wait. There's a word used in each example here in verse 21 and verse 7, and that's the word created. God created in verse 1 and 21, which is the Hebrew word bara, bara, whatever, whatever that has to do with it. But Dr. Strong, Mr. Strong's, he says this word means to create or to cut down like a tree, a wood, or it means to select, select, to create. So it's speaking of, you know, of course, that God spoke this into existence. He spoke that well into existence. He created it by his voice. He said, let the waters bring forth, and they did. But this is what God said about his act, his acts, his activity, of creating the creatures that roams the, the earth and the waters. Now, in chapter 2 and verse 7, as you know where I'm going here, it does not say, of course, that God created Adam. It doesn't say that God created man. It says that he formed man. He formed man out of the dust. And uh, that's the word yasar, something like that. And according to Strong's, I like this. The word means through the squeezing into shape. Isn't that cute? Isn't that interesting? Amen. I almost wish I had some Play-Doh here, you know, so I could squeeze it, make something out of it. But anyway, Strong's went on to say to mold into a form, especially as a potter. God's creation of man was so important so unique and so different, so different. We may carry the same Hebrew word when it comes to creature and soul, but there's something different about the creation of man, and that is God formed us. I, do, I, I want to say it with his own hands, but God doesn't have any hands. But anyway, he formed us from the dust of the earth. Now, I'm not through. Another interesting difference in these two, well, there's a lot of differences. Another interesting difference between these two verses that deal with man and creature is this. Verse 21 of chapter 1 says that God created great whales. This other place in 2 and 7 says the Lord God formed man. Now, I don't know if you noticed any difference there, but there, there is a difference. To add another difference is, verse 21 said, and God. And I know you could read the whole thing, but at the very start it says, and God, or if you will, Elohim. And Elohim created all these things. But when you get to man, chapter 2, verse 7, the Bible says, 
and the Lord God. You notice the difference? I know it's the same God. I know that. I'm not, but I'm just emphasize, trying to emphasize that when it comes to man's creation, God places more emphasis upon it because of its importance. That whale's going to die. I'm not dying. I'm going to live forever and ever somewhere. And so here we, we don't have, like in chapter 1, verse 21, it's Elohim, Elohim created. But in chapter 2, verse 7, it's Jehovah Elohim. Jehovah gets involved. Not a different person, no, but a different representation or manifestation of God. And while the word living in both passages come from the same Hebrew word, the, and while the words creature and soul comes from the same Hebrew word, when creating the animals, it's stated that Elohim did it. When forming man, it said Jehovah Elohim did it. You see, if, I, if I'm trying to make, I'm trying to make this so, realize that we're something else. You're important. We have, we have such an honor, such a privilege, such an opportunity to be a child of God, to have his word with us and to obey it. And one of these days to go where he is, live with him, if you will, in his presence. While again, those creatures out there, whatever it be, they're not going anywhere. They're going to die and return to the dust. Creatures were created. Man was formed. And one other thing, I'm not through. One other thing, when the creature was created and God said, and God said, and again, when we were made, we were created. It's a, another interesting point. When the creatures were uh, created, God said, when man was formed, it says, the Lord God did what? Do what? Look at that verse. Put that back up, would you please, 2 and 7. The Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and God did something. He just spoke that whale into existence, but he formed us into our image, into his image, his likeness. And he breathed, he breathed into his nostrils, the breath of life. And that's when it said, man became a living soul. Every, listen to this. Every, I don't care who they are or what they are. I don't care where they live. Every individual, every individual has the breath of God in them. That's to me is, if I could really fully grasp it, and I wish every human being could, you're so valuable, you're so important. God breathed in you. You have his breath in you. Amen. It's, your, it's his breath you're breathing. It's his air you're breathing. Amen. And we sing that around here. But that's not the case with that whale out there. 
God didn't breathe into that well or that dog or that cow or that whatever. It's the spirit. And here's, I guess, the point to emphasize again one more thing. It's the spirit in you. It's the spirit in man that yearns, hungers, whether they acknowledge it or not, hungers and desires the spirit that breathed in him in that garden and gave him life. But when Adam and that woman ate of that forbidden fruit, they died. They died right then. I know they still walked around, but the spirit that God had placed in them, that union, that formation together. That's why you read in chapter 3 of the book of Genesis that, that God walked in the garden in the cool of the day. They had a daily tryst, it would appear. We don't know how long Adam and Eve were in that garden before they were kicked out. They could have been in there a long time. Time was not counted. They didn't age because there was a tree of life in the middle of that garden they could eat of and keep living. But anyway, they evidently had a holy tryst in the evening or the afternoon, the cool of the day. And um, then when God come looking for them on that day, they were aware and cognizant of the fact that they had disobeyed God. They lost, they died spiritually right then. They died spiritually, right? That's in the book of Walls, chapter 6. But they died spiritually. So that's why in us, that's why you're never satisfied fully until you're filled with the Holy Ghost. You're not in connection with God like you could be and should be until you're filled with the Holy Ghost. It's when the Spirit comes into you and unites with your spirit and once again, there is a wedding that takes place or a uniting that takes place. The spirit that man lost in the garden can be regained and reunited, if you will, at an altar of prayer. Amen. Being born again. And it's that spirit. That's why we got to be born again. We must be born again. That's very clearly stated in the Word of God, of course. And until we've been filled with the Holy Spirit, then uh, we are mere, I guess we'll say mere mortals walking around sinful and without fellowship and communion with God that we could otherwise have. Amen. Jesus again plainly said in John 3, 5 to Nicodemus, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So there's water baptism, there's the infilling of the Spirit, and this is what make, get, grants us entrance into God's kingdom. It's the Spirit that's within us that we must have uh, that reunion with the Holy Spirit that was lost in the garden in order to enter into the fellowship with God. Now, each of us have been, I guess we'll say, allotted a soul uh, we are a soul, and no exchanges later. We got one, and that's it. We got to take care of it. Now, the creatures, they share the same Hebrew term in reference to their existence. They're not granted the privilege of choosing what they do, though, by, with their actions. That whale's a whale. That dog's a dog. They're going to bark. 
unless they're one of them kind that don't bark. But anyway, whales are doomed to live in those oceans, in those waters, and die in those waters. But you and I are different. We have a spirit in us. We have the privilege of choosing what happens with our life, with our body, with our eternity. Creatures, they don't know what sin is. We do. Creatures don't know what's right and wrong. We do. Creatures will not stand before the judgment seat of God. We will. And creatures are not eternal. We are. We are. Paul put it this way in Ephesians 2.10. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God had before ordained that we should walk in. You see, we're important. We're his workmanship. He's talking about the church. We're his workmanship. And, and think about it. Uh, there's, there's a wonderful privilege to be involved in the greatest operation, the greatest unity, the greatest entity in the whole wide world. And that is the church. The church. Our creation is so different. And if Ezekiel chapter 18, let me, there's one more thing. In Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse 4, listen to this. Notice this. The Lord says here, Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also the soul of, soul of the Son is mine. And then notice what God says. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. My, my, I thought we were eternal. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Isn't that something? So if the soul is eternal, then how can it be said he's going to die? Or the soul is going to die? Now, again, this is not necessarily important, I guess. The Hebrew, we're talking about Hebrew words. The Hebrew word for die is muth. And Strong says it means, the word means to die literally or figuratively, whichever. Now, I don't know my English all that well, but while the creatures die literally, man dies figuratively, I guess. Or let me put it this way. Man dies temporarily. Would that work all right? If, if some of you English teachers would tell me what figuratively means. I think it's a figuration, a figure of something else or something other. But anyway, am I far off, Vicky? Oh, okay. See, now I know she knows. But anyway, the point is, while every mortal will die at the tearing of the Lord, it's it will be temporary. It won't, that soul, those people we put out in White Cemetery, what it's called, White River, or someplace, they're not out there. They're gone someplace else and waiting for the trumpet and the dead calling forth from the grave. Those that die in the Lord, regardless of where they're buried, will be raised to eternal life. But those who died as a sinner will be raised to eternal death. 
There will be no resurrection of creatures, of course, but there will be of man. Let me go on, hurried here. In Revelation chapter 20, verse 12, John writes, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. This is the great white throne judgment, as it's called. And this is all of those that were dead since Adam, the dead. Small, and of course, we could separate some of them, but we're not taking the time to do that. If you went down to verse 13 and read here, he says, The sea gave up the dead which were in it. Death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. They were judged every man according to their works. Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So if we go back and borrow Ezekiel's word 18 and 4, where it said, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. It shall die. The sinner will die, but it will be a second death, a death in which he doesn't die. That is, he doesn't cease to exist. That second death is called the second death. When man dies, the sinner dies, he's not through. He's going to be resurrected, judged, and sent out into the lake of fire and the second death. Now, the answer to our sin problem, is there anybody, I'll shut my eyes, is there anybody here that hasn't sinned since last Sunday? I didn't look. I don't know how many hands were raised, but probably none. Come on, be honest. But sure we've sinned. Even David prayed about secret sins or uh, those he didn't know about. You probably thought something. I'm not judging, but just stating facts. You probably thought something today you shouldn't have thought. You may have said something today you wish you hadn't said. So what do we do about it? Well, John has the answer in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, beginning, and I'll hurry. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. So if any of you raised your hand and said you didn't have sin, you're a liar. <laughs> you're, you're deceiving yourself. And you know where deceivers go. Uh, but anyway... <laughs> And, and the truth is not in us, John said. But, notice verse 9, if we confess our sins, who's he talking to? He's, talk, he's not talking to the world out there and the honky-tonks and the drunk alleys. He's talking to the church. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word's not in us. My little children, chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. That's ideal. Don't sin. Watch what you say and what you... But it, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now, here's the nitty-gritty, the crux of the matter. Our soul, my soul, your soul is your responsibility. It's up to you how you act, how you live, how you conduct yourself. 
If you have committed an error today, you need to pray tonight before you go to bed. And even if you, I don't need to be transparent necessarily, but quite frankly and transparently, every night, every night, unless I'm in foreign country somewhere and miss some nights, but anyway, every night, it's, I'm not saying you do this, but that's what I'm doing. God, forgive me. Forgive me for my errors today. Forgive me. Forgive me. I don't know what all I've thought today. I don't know what all I've said today. I, don't, I may have offended somebody that I didn't know I offended, but I want to make sure that the, the record's clean. And I'm not saying that's what everybody ought to do, but I'm saying the soul that sinneth. Now, another one more thing. I said that a while ago, didn't I? One more thing, and then, then that's pretty much it. When, when, Eze- when God said in Ezekiel, the soul that sinneth. See, here's, to me, is another key to what I've just tried to say is, God, forgive me for what I've done today. Forgive me of, of some error that I've committed today that I don't even know I did. Forgive me. Clean my slate. Clean my record. The word here that God says, sin of. And any time in your Bible you see an E-T-H attached to a word like confesseth or believeth. Remember Mark 16, he that believeth. It's not just a believe. I'm just going to accept Christ and I'm saved. There's a continuation there. Your belief needs to have some legs on it. It needs to have some action behind it. And that's what the word, when you add, see a word with the E-T-H, it's, it's talking about something you continue to do. He that said, you just keep sinning, there's an answer to that problem, and that's repentance. That's repentance, and we'll get rid of your sins. But anyway, it's those that continue in their sinful ways that will stand guilty before God on that judgment morn. It will be the sinner who died, a sinner that will die again, if you will, in that second death in the lake of fire. To allow the temptations of the flesh and the devil to pull us away from church and away from God would be the most foolish, ignorant, stupid decision that any person can make. It's just sending them to a devil's hell. But to those to seek the Lord, seek the Lord until we're born again, until we're baptized in the wonderful saving name of Jesus Christ and become identified with him and filled with his spirit, to not do that with our life and surrender to him, what a terrible mistake we are making. You, my friend and fellow pilgrim, you're a living soul. You're an eternal soul. There's such a seriousness about this. I need to make sure I make it to that city. I need to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It will be either, it, it, we, will ever, we will either be with the church in the presence of the Lord in that wonderful, glorious tomorrow there, there are but two choices. There are but two destinies. So my soul, my dear soul, make sure 
make sure. Make sure that it's right with your soul. I want to go to be with the Lord. I want to go with the MPC. I want to walk with you down the street of gold. And if we make that decision, that choice, what a day that's going to be. But if I refuse to live for God, there is but one alternative. It's called the lake of fire. Regardless of how crude and crass that may feel, that's the way it is, folks. Would you stand with me? That's the way it is. That's the word of God. God help us to be faithful. God help us to be true. God help us to be sincere. Allow the Lord to he breathed into our life or into that lump of clay when he first formed us. But we lost that breath. When he ate of that tree, he lost the breath. But he wants to give it back to us. He wants us, he wants to breathe in us one more time to fill us with his glory, his presence, his love, his mercy. God loves you tonight. God loves you tonight. Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorachurch.com to learn more about our ministry.